Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me. This is our second episode from our examination of the book of James. Now, you might have heard James called the Proverbs of the New Testament. Proverbs is, of course, the famous book of wisdom that we find in the Old Testament. And James is often compared because James is a very practical book. There are dozens upon dozens of exhortations and imperative commands in the book of James, and it is a very much a book intended to be lived out in the life of a believer. Now, let's talk about wisdom literature. So there are, generally speaking, two types of wisdom literature in the Bible. The first we can call proverbial wisdom. So proverbial wisdom has a divine origin— and is observable by man. Just to give you an example of what I mean by proverbial wisdom, listen to Proverbs 30, 25. It says, The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. What this proverb is telling us is to study the ant and act accordingly. Ants work together, ants work hard, and therefore they are provided. And so you, whether you're a believer or not a believer, we can all learn a lesson from the ants. So you don't necessarily need the Holy Spirit to learn the lesson that you can learn from an ant. Watch the ants act accordingly. And the book of Proverbs is chocked full of this type of proverbial, observable in the natural order type wisdom. God is the one who created the natural order, and therefore God embedded his principles of wisdom and hard work and honesty and truth All of these things are embedded into the natural order. There is a cause and effect to the physical world, and there is a cause and effect to the moral world. However, as the Old Testament progresses, God begins to reveal his wisdom in some new ways. For example, in both the book of Daniel and the book of Zechariah, God speaks to these men through dreams and visions, but they don't understand the dreams and visions. And so God not only has to speak to them through dreams and visions, He has to send an angel to them to help them understand the dreams and visions. The wisdom that Daniel and Zechariah are given is not embedded in the created order, but comes solely through divine revelation. And this is prophetic wisdom. Proverbial wisdom can be observed by anyone, whether or not you're a follower of Yahweh or not. It can be observed in the natural order, but prophetic wisdom can only be known by God's grace. Proverbial wisdom has all sorts of things to tell you about marriage and friendship and hard work and the importance of saving money, but prophetic wisdom is concerned with events in the latter days. Prophetic wisdom teaches God's people how to navigate through the trials associated with the latter days. And if we keep this dichotomy in mind, proverbial wisdom and prophetic wisdom, it'll give us a deeper understanding not only of James, but also of what Jesus teaches us. Because throughout the Gospels, Jesus teaches the disciples as the embodiment of divine wisdom. So in line with proverbial wisdom, Jesus lives out God's righteous principles. So we see what it would look like to live a life of obedience, a life of skillful, beautiful, obedient living. We see this in Jesus. But also, Jesus is the key that unlocks the prophetic wisdom. Jesus gives us God's wisdom. Jesus teaches us how to live in the latter days. Jesus is constantly teaching about the latter days. He teaches us about his tribulations. He teaches us, his followers, how we can navigate these troubled waters. And so that brings us to the message of James. James is a book of wisdom, but it's prophetic wisdom. 
And James is urging his readers to get wisdom to navigate the latter days. And you're not going to get it from watching ants. You're going to have to go to the Lord and ask for the Lord to give you the wisdom you need to navigate the latter days. Now, James confirms, for example, in James 5.3, that we are living in the last days. When he's talking to the rich, he says that they have laid up treasure at the expense of their workers in the last days. And Jesus promises that there will be trials and tribulations in the last days. And so James reminds us in James 1-2 that we're living in the last days because it says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. These trials call for endurance and patience. And that's why James 5.10 says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So when you are suffering persecution for your faithfulness to the witness of Jesus, you need to take heed to those who have gone before you. Learn to be patient. Learn to endure. James tells us to expect people to abandon the faith in the latter days because people will calculate that it's not worth faithfulness to Jesus. And James says to his readers, if you are to survive, you must plead with God to give you wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you don't know how to survive the latter days, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Now we've been talking about wisdom ask for wisdom, we need wisdom. What is wisdom? So wisdom is skill. Wisdom is skill at applying the commands of God to the various situations that arise. Wisdom is the skill of beautiful living. It's a pattern of life that understands God's truth and then acts on God's truth. So wisdom is an instinct. Wisdom is the fruit of a careful study of God's word, a prayerful beseeching the Lord to give you understanding and then strength to go out and obey it. So the entire book of James calls on believers to live life in a way that reflects God's wisdom. Two passages in particular I want to draw to your attention when it comes to the theme of wisdom and asking for wisdom. The first is James 1, 5 through 8. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what does this passage tells us? This passage tells us that God gives wisdom. First of all, God gives wisdom generously. So God doesn't dole out crumbs of wisdom. He doesn't you know, glare at you and roll his eyes because you hear again asking for wisdom. He is giving wisdom generously. And he gives wisdom generously to those without doubt. So what are we not supposed to doubt? What do we need to believe in order to receive a generous gift of wisdom? Well, I would put before you four things. First, we must not doubt that we need wisdom. We have to believe that we need something before we're going to ask for it. We don't want to just go through the motions. There needs to be a sense of desperation. We know that we need God's help to navigate this life. The second thing that we need to have no doubt about is that we don't have sufficient wisdom. We have to be absolutely certain that you and I do not possess in ourselves what we need to make it through this world. We need wisdom. The third thing that we must not doubt is we must not doubt that God has all wisdom. There is never going to be a situation that we're going to face where God does not have the wisdom that we need, where God is lacking in perspective, where God does not 
have any word to speak into that particular situation. God is sovereign over every situation. He has the wisdom we need to navigate it faithfully. And the fourth thing that we need to have no doubt about is we must believe that God gives us wisdom gladly. Friends, if we think that God will be angry with us or roll his eyes at us or grumble under his breath, because here we are again asking for wisdom, then eventually we're going to stop. But James is just the opposite. God loves it when we ask him for wisdom. 24-7, 365, God is delighted to give wisdom generously to those who have no doubt. We don't want to be this double-minded man, unstable, being tossed to and fro by the situations of life. Friends, the double-minded man is in trouble. The double-minded man is someone who has not yet decided whether or not he's going to live according to God's ways for the glory of God, or if he's going to live according to his ways and for the glory of himself. And Scripture is clear. The double-minded man is in serious danger. Just for one example, Psalm 119, 113, the psalmist says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And this expresses God's feelings as well. Those who cannot decide whether or not they're going to live for the Lord are in serious trouble. The double-minded man lacks integrity, and they've not decided decisively how they're going to live. But by contrast, the wise person lives a good life that expresses itself in humble action. And the wisdom to know how to do that comes from God. And this leads us to the second wisdom passage in James, James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What this passage teaches us is that real, righteous wisdom is easy to spot because it manifests itself in right relationships and healthy community. So here's a good diagnostic tool for us as we wrap up today. If you want to know if you have wisdom, Examine your relationships and your community. Are you just a walking ball of strife and disorder? If there's conflict in your family, conflict among your friends, conflict at work, conflict at your church, what all those situations have in common is you. Real wisdom is peaceable, pure, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And this wisdom will absolutely reap a harvest of righteousness. But if there is disorder, if there is selfish ambition, if there is strife and conflict, and friends, we're lacking wisdom, but I have really good news for us. God will happily give wisdom to those who repent and humbly ask God for wisdom. So friends, the next time we come back together, we're going to talk about the relationship between the poor and the rich, and what James has to say to both groups. But for now, take up and read. God bless.